0: Shalom, and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm your host, Evan Gottesman. It's 2 a.m. here on the east coast of the United States, 11 p.m., where my erstwhile co-host Eli Koaz is in the wilds of British Columbia. So this is either the earliest or the latest that we've ever recorded an episode of Israel Policy Pod, depending on your perspective. But we have a great guest and a really interesting topic today. Over the weekend, the Israel Democracy Institute published its monthly Israeli Voice Index. The headline finding in this month's edition is that a majority of Israelis, Jews, support West Bank annexation. And given Israel Policy Forum's interest and three-year campaign to raise awareness about the ramifications of annexation, we want to know why that is and what that actually means. What kind of annexation? What's the methodology behind this poll? What's the deeper meaning here? So our guest today, or tonight, is uh, particularly well-suited to help us understand this latest poll. We're very fortunate to be joined by Professor Tamar Herman of the Israel Democracy Institute, or IDI. Tamar is the Academic Director of the Gutman Center for Public Opinion and Policy Research at the IDI, and a faculty member of the Political Science Department at the Open University of Israel. She has also co-edited the monthly Peace Index, since 1994, which, since 2010, has been the Israeli Voice Index. So, Tamar, this is your poll, so we're going to have a great discussion, and thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Evan. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm very glad to be with you, and I'll try to explain what's happening in this regard in Israel right now.
0: As we mentioned in the introduction, this latest edition of the Israeli Voice Index shows that a slim majority of Israeli Jews support West Bank annexation as laid out in the coalition agreement. We'll get into the specifics of that context later on, but something that I was struck by off the bat was the rate at which people responded that they didn't know, the the don't know response or don't know or refuse to answer on the question of annexation. According to this survey, nearly a quarter of all Israelis responded, don't know, on the question of whether or not they support annexation. And a similar number said that they didn't know as to whether or not Palestinians should receive greater rights after annexation. And I compared that with an old edition of the Peace Index, which, as we mentioned, was the predecessor to this Israeli Voice Index series from 20 years ago, in 2000, right before the collapse of the peace process. And that specific poll showed only 1% of Israelis saying that they didn't know on a question asking how they would vote on a prospective referendum on a territorial compromise of the Palestinians. So it almost seems like people had very well-defined, stratified views on the peace process two decades ago, but now on annexation, things are a little nebulous. Maybe we don't know what's exactly going on here. So is there some sort of knowledge gap here on annexation? What explains such a large number of people saying that they don't know about what seems to be such a monumental question of national existential significance?
1: Actually, my answer is already in your question. For a long time now, the Palestinian issue has been out of sight for most Israelis. There was no movement towards or away from peace negotiations. People think about it as an issue not to be resolved in the foreseeable future and not to be changed uh, in the foreseeable future. People are certainly very busy these days with the implications of the COVID-19 crisis. So the Palestinian issue is actually a known issue for them for a long time now. Although it is part of uh, the agreement based on which the government is uh, being established these days, they thought that at that time when we asked the questions regarding the annexation, they thought that it is something that is there, but it is not to be implemented and uh, just a kind of uh, lip service, To the uh, right-wing constituencies. This is why uh, there is such a a large share of don't-knows in in this uh, uh, specific question because, uh, as you probably know, the Israeli public is highly politicized. People have opinions about everything. Sometimes they have opinions without having any knowledge, but also when uh, they vote, they sometimes have opinions and attitudes, but not necessarily much knowledge. And this is democracy. I mean, people uh, express their views on issues which sometimes they know uh, very well, and sometimes they do not know very well. So uh, uh, the annexation issue was here a year ago, and then about six months ago, but there was no deep, very elaborated uh, discussion of uh, the potential annexation and its implications, people do not know which parts are going to be annexed. Is it only the Jordan Valley? Is it also parts of the West Bank that are now defined as, as uh, ASB, ASC, ASA? A? I mean, people are not familiar with what's happening there because nothing has happened there for so long. And now when we presented the question, in fact my team members thought that it was not a good idea to ask about it. I insisted on having it in our survey because they say people do not know about it and they don't care about it because they don't think it's feasible. Now it seems that things are changing a bit with the visit of uh, uh, Mr. Pompeo here and it becomes an issue. Not uh, something that People are just, you know, hearing about here and there. So uh, this uh, accounts for the number of the don't-knows, and there is also another issue here, annexation under conditions. I mean, we have 8% of the left, for example, saying that they support the annexation, but I'm sure that if we would have started asking them more questions about What does it mean? Why do you support the annexation? They would say, okay, we should opt for the binational framework, giving the uh, Palestinians residing in these areas full citizen rights. And this is certainly not what the right wing with 71% supportive of of the annexation uh, has in mind.
0: I also wonder, is it possible that a left-wing person saying they support annexation, it could be maybe annexation as part of an agreement with the Palestinians?
1: No, certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, I mean, it is very clear from uh, the uh, the way that the, the question is presented that it has nothing to do with, with peace. It is a unilateral move, and... Um, we, we we had no uh, indication that any of these people thought that it is in the context of a peace agreement. Otherwise, it would have been stated as part of uh, the peace negotiations, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, therefore, uh, this is not where these 8% uh, come. They come from the very radical left who think that a binational state is a good idea with one man one vote um, we we you read them in in hearts we read them elsewhere and we know that they exist i mean it's a small share of the left because the Zionist left uh, doesn't agree with that but there are these people are, are real i mean we know them we hear them we read them
0: speaking of how the question itself was phrased The respondents were asked about a specific kind of annexation, and you touched upon this in what you were just saying, annexation as envisioned in the coalition agreement, this uh, agreement that's the basis for the new government, and that agreement references some sort of annexation done in coordination with the United States. Implicitly, someone could read that as being a reference to the Trump plan. And of course, as you said, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in israel now how does that impact the results and is there also perhaps a perception gap here for instance if a large number of israelis consider the trump plan to be just a variation on the two-state solution i mean that's the branding that the trump administration is using for it, even though reasonable people can disagree with their framing of it, that's how they're selling
1: it. Very few people uh, see the uh, deal of the century as a continuation in any way of the Oslo agreements or the Oslo spirit of the two-state solution. Uh, I I would like to refer for a minute for the gap in understanding that you mentioned. I think that it's uh, the easy way out. Instead of really saying we have a small majority of Israelis who are supportive, of annexation, and they do it based on their overall assessment of the relationship between Israel and Palestine, or the Palestinians. The easy way out is to say uh, they didn't understand the question, or uh, they have no knowledge of uh, uh, the the real situation, and so on and so forth. But in a way, this is not the attitude, the right attitude for someone who studies social plans or, or public opinion and whatever. I give the people the credit that they know what they are talking about and that they understood the question uh, because otherwise we would have results that wouldn't have fit our previous knowledge about people's uh, perceptions in this regard and on other issues. And also it wouldn't have go hand in hand with other answers on other questions in our surveys. We seek some kind of consistency between people's different answers and this validate their answer on a specific uh, question. Okay, and and it fits, it fits. I mean, a very small uh, share of the left is supportive, one third of the center and uh, almost three quarters of the right. It makes sense knowing what these political camps stand for.
0: Right. And and I didn't mean to ascribe the broad strokes of the conclusions of the poll to say that just no one understands what annexation is or or people don't get it and, and not to take people at their word. Although there's been polling also done, a recent poll that we featured in one of our other programs from Commanders for Israel Security showing that a lot of Israelis viewed the Trump plan in the context, not of the Oslo Accords necessarily, but as something that could be called two states- I want to go into the questions themselves again. I was looking at the English publication on the poll and then the Hebrew version of the poll and several of the questions, uh, specifically the ones related to whether or not people support annexation, as well as the question about the respondent's belief in whether or not annexation will actually happen under the new government. Those questions use the word ribonut, or or sovereignty, not the word annexation. Then there's a question asking if Palestinians living in the annexed areas should have rights, and that question uses the term sipuach, or annexation. My personal belief is that the two terms mean the same thing. Why did you, in doing this poll, use those two terms, sovereignty and annexation, seemingly interchangeably, and do you find that people react differently to these two terms?
1: Uh, they reacted in a very consistent manner, and when we saw the answers for the various questions, uh, we saw that those who resented the uh, idea of Israeli sovereignty uh, also resented the idea of not giving the pal- granting the Palestinians any rights. There was an uh, in-between consistency. Uh, because it was very difficult to put it in Hebrew uh, with the... Uh, uh, long-term relating to, to the sovereignty issue. We could have done it. Maybe we will ask it again a bit differently, but it, it, it makes a perfect sense, and it reflects the basic perceptions of Israel's position vis-à-vis the Palestinians. As you could see, Israelis uh, didn't think much about uh, the the rights issue. I mean, because they don't think that it's applicable, they didn't have a very good answer about what rights should be granted, okay? Uh, the, the highest uh, uh, rate, 37, on, only a bit above one-third, said that the situation should not be changed. But the other two-thirds either thought that they should grant certain rights or full citizenship, or they didn't know. Because this issue, that's one of the shortcomings of surveys. If the matter was not discussed in the media, for example, or in the social media, in the traditional media, classical media, in in the social media, then people very often do not have opinions on on issues. They create their opinions or develop their opinions in conjunction to what's happening on the public discourse level. They they don't sit in the living room asking themselves Oh, okay, what do I think about granting rights to the Palestinians if uh, these territories will be annexed? What they do is they listen to the radio, TV, their uh, friends, uh, peers, uh, colleagues, and, and after a while they'll have their opinion that will, in most cases, match their overall political views, okay, and as uh, the issue of the rights granting was not discussed very thoroughly, not recently, not even in the past, we still see an, I would say, an immature public opinion on that. We will go back to the question in a month or in two months, and I suppose that at that time we will see big differences and, and much clearer pattern of, uh, of opinion. It's a new issue for, for most Israelis. And, and again, the question is, uh, are we going to see any, any, any developments, practical developments or any movement towards the implementation of of the annexation, and then they will probably have opinions about it. But what's most interesting, and, and, and I would say that it's quite clear to people familiar with the Israeli Jewish public opinion, they don't want the Palestinians as, as citizens in Israel, whereas the Arabs do, because for the Israeli Arabs, To add a large number of Palestinians to the non-Jewish minority in Israel would make a huge difference in their civil status in Israel. And this is why they think, not because they, they have some deep democratic convictions necessarily, because it will change their situation within Israel if they will not be 22%, but say 30 something.
0: You've touched upon in in your responses this idea of whether or not annexation will even happen. We've been talking about the nitty-gritty of these proposals, but there's also that open-ended issue, whether or not this is something that actually proceeds. And that's something that your poll actually explored. You asked Israelis about their belief whether or not this new government is going to actually support annexation. And a clear majority said that they don't think that this is going to happen.
1: In in, in the upcoming year, there was a time limit in, in, in the question. Is it going to happen in 2020?
0: But there's also kind of a time limit or a deadline in the coalition agreement saying that formal deliberations can begin on July 1st. So it's not really... It's not really a time limit, but it it does set sort of a calendar. So given that, how do you explain the public's lack of trust in, in the government's stated intentions?
1: I would say that there are two explanations for that. To start with, we have heard Netanyahu time and again in the past promising to go ahead with some kind of an annexation plan and nothing happened. Remember, just before the second elections and even before the third elections, he visited the Jordan Valley and he said, we are going to do this and that, and nothing happened. And he's heavily criticized for that on on the right side of the political spectrum. So uh, it is not a new thing that uh, things are being said but are not implemented. Actually, this is one of uh, the arguments of the Israelis in general, against Netanyahu governments, that they say much and they do little on, on a variety of issues. So people uh, do not take his words as something that will necessarily materialize. Second issue is that we're going to have a new uh, foreign minister and a new defense minister, and because they are both of the blue and white party, and we know that they are not highly supportive of uh, such a move. And people would like to see how strong they are going to be in the new context of the government. Uh, Maybe they will be able to prevent it. So uh, there is a huge question mark over the consensus within the government in this regard. and, And the balance of power within the government is not yet clear. For example, if uh, Nastali Bennett of Yamina would have been a minister and a member of the security cabinet, then uh, things would be totally different than if he is away and out of the, of the coalition and out of the government. Okay, uh, it is not that people uh, don't know, but the situation has not been created yet the the context in which these decisions are uh, to be made. And it makes perfect sense if people are skeptical. They just don't know based on past experience. Uh, annexation is not in the cards, but if things will change uh, within the government, then we should just wait and see. Uh, I think that it's quite uh, um, clever, Of people not to give us definite questions when the situation is so vague and so unclear as to the agents and the dynamics uh, within the new government so they say okay in the past it didn't happen we suppose that it is not going to happen but who knows
0: do you see a change in the response though now that you have a new factor involved i mean the the past experience that you mentioned is certainly very relevant because this seems to have been a pattern that Netanyahu would make these grandiose promises and then nothing would pan out. Now you have the United States not only just saying that annexation is okay, but actually actively involved in that that's borne out in the Trump administration's proposal, whereas in the past, Netanyahu's excuse maybe for not pursuing annexation would have been fear of blowback from a U.S. administration. But now the U.S. is very friendly to that. So does the perception among the Israeli public change given the changing role of the United States in this process?
1: Well, we still don't know how deeply invested the United States is in this move. They have uh, elections soon enough. And they deal with the uh, coronavirus crisis and the fact that uh, Mr. Pompeo is visiting Israel for one day out of the blue sky without any previous context. We don't know whether it's the annexation issue, really, or something else. And if it is the annexation issue, in which direction do they want Israel to go? Maybe they don't want Israel to emphasize it just before the elections in the United States, I mean. So we don't know what message does he carry in this regard. We know that he's going to talk about the uh, annexation, but we don't know whether he's going to encourage Netanyahu. The fact that he said in the past that it is not forbidden, doesn't mean that uh, politically it's the right timing for the United States to stand behind its word in in this context. So I am not sure that the United States is supportive of such a move right now. Maybe in principle, yes, but not as of today. And therefore, again, there is so much unknown what happens uh, behind closed doors and so much unknown Regarding the mode of operation of the new government, does it make sense that people are just sitting on the fence and they are waiting to see before they establish an opinion in this regard?
0: Ostensibly, the Pompeo visit, so it's been reported, is about Iran and the coronavirus, but I find it hard to believe that annexation isn't a part of it, but of course, as you mentioned, it's behind closed doors. We all won't know about it until after the fact.
1: It is there, but we don't know what is he going to say about it. For example, is he going to say, okay, but wait until the elections are over? Or is he saying, go ahead with that in full speed before the elections? We don't know what kind of a message the media didn't report about the content. They just mentioned that he's going to talk about it. You brought
0: up that these are, and I think it's a really good point, that these are issues that in many ways for the Israeli public are in their infancy. For example, the rights of Palestinians in the territories, this is something that people are just starting to think about, and this is a new government, and this is a new plan from the United States. You have the American presidential elections. So the Israeli Voice Index is released uh, every month, Which of these issues relating to annexation do you plan to revisit in future months to see how the public's opinion and thinking on them develops?
1: Um, I think that we will wait until the visit is over, and we shall see uh, what are the issues that will be discussed in the first uh, week or so, two weeks of the new government. I should remind you that in 10 days or so, uh, Netanyahu's trial is going to start, and uh, I think that the focus will be on that issue. And it's it's a question, is Yamina going to stay out or not, if the government is decided upon in full? and Yamina is out, and Netanyahu uh, will be dealing with his court case, then I suppose that uh, the issue of occupation will be again put on the shelf for a while at least. But if we will say that this is a major issue that is discussed all over, uh, we will try to figure out what are the parts in the West Bank and the Jordan Valley that the public is supportive of annexing. Again, we will ask about the rights of the Palestinians residing in these areas. By the way, in the past, we asked a question in this regard, and the answer was that people prefer that they will be, uh, how shall I put it, encouraged to move out from these territories. This is an option which was not mentioned in this survey, but it's an option. Some would call it transfer. Some would say it's a legitimate way of dealing practically with the presence of a very large Palestinian population in the annexed territories. So we don't know where things stand right now. This was kind of a wild guess, putting these questions in our survey. And we will repeat these questions and other questions, if the issue will gain momentum. If it doesn't, we will leave it for a while and then check it when it uh, becomes part of the actual policy making uh, in the future.
0: Right. There are other outlets also that people could think of for what will happen to the Palestinian people in those territories. You mentioned this transfer idea. I mean, Israel Policy Forum recently did a study on different outcomes that people in Israel support on the end to the Israeli Palestinian conflict. And I went around with one of my colleagues and we interviewed people and a lot of people. And it was frankly alarming for me, but to hear a lot of people said, yeah, this transfer as something that could happen. Back to the Israeli Voice Index. Before we close out, I mean, this is a a survey that you're doing every month that covers a really broad range of topics. In this podcast, we really just focused on the annexation. Uh, So I just wanted to ask, is there anything in the whole survey that stood out to you on this topic or on something else that surprised you and something that you're looking out for in the future?
1: I found out as quite interesting, not highly expected results on the on the question of the relationship between the different segments of Israeli society following the coronavirus the fact that so many people thought or the majority actually thought that the jewish arab relations improved against the background of the corona crisis i found it very encouraging both on the jewish and and, and the arab sides the the majority thought that it is better. The relations are better now than before Uh, the the crisis. And the fact that it's the opposite way around regarding the relationship between the non-Haredi, non-ultra-orthodox segment of the Israeli public and the ultra-orthodox, because so many people hoped that having the police and the IDF in the ultra-orthodox neighbourhoods helping the people and uh, bringing them food and and this and that would improve the relations between the ultra-orthodox and and the non ultra orthodox public segments. And apparently the vast majority thought that there was no improvement. And in particular, the ultra-orthodox respondents thought that there was no improvement in the relationship. So from their point of view the help by the state agencies didn't change their views on on the state and uh, on the the Israeli public in general it didn't uh, create a bridge uh, over this uh, very prominent gap in Israeli society
0: both very interesting to hear i guess some not so good news and some good news with the jewish Arab relations, and it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, there's the cliche, of course, that virus doesn't discriminate, but also specific to Israel, that Arab citizens of Israel are overrepresented as a proportion of the country in the medical and healthcare professions. I'd imagine people working side by side on the front lines fighting this disease. Tamar, thank you for joining us and and for sharing your expertise and really helping to illuminate the numbers and what you found in your latest Israeli Voice Index, which of course we'll attach a link to in the description of this podcast.
1: Thank
0: you, Evan. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Israel Policy Pod. I want to encourage you to check out some great upcoming opportunities with Israel Policy Forum especially our new Annexation Watch video briefing series. This series is going to fill in the same time slot as our previous Tuesday video briefings. That's every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This new series is going to be highlighting voices representing important actors, including the international community, the Arab world, the Palestinians, and of course, people in Israel itself, and their responses to annexation by bringing in people from the political arena, diplomats, and so on. Our inaugural program is going to be kicking off this upcoming Tuesday, May 19th, at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We're going to be featuring voices from the Israeli opposition. The panel features Ron Ben Barak, a member of Knesset for Yesh Atid and former deputy director of the Mossad. Yair Golan, member of Knesset for the Israel Democratic Party, and a former deputy chief of staff of the Israel Defense Forces, and Aida Tuma Sliman, a member of Knesset of Hadash from the Joint List, and who is also a previous guest on this podcast, so we know it's going to be a really great panel, and you can register for that event at ipf.li forward slash May 19. That's the numbers 1-9. Lastly, I want to say that everything that we're doing at Israel Policy Forum, this podcast, our Annexation Watch video briefing series, our IPFAT Young Professionals Network, the Koppelow column, it all depends on you and your generous support. So if you're a listener who's already a supporter, I want to thank you. And if you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to make a contribution. And you can do that at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash giving. This all goes a really long way to help us bring you the content that you rely on for analysis and commentary on Israeli politics, annexation, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, U.S.-Israel relations, and so on. So thank you again and be well and we hope to catch you on our next program our next podcast and we'll all see each other again soon in the future